0: Well, I'm Melissa Mathis, and I'm with Life Choices of Memphis. I'm the director of client services and our birth parent counselor also for adoptions. We are a licensed adoption agency in the states of Tennessee and Mississippi. But most of all, we are a pregnancy medical center. We do free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests for our clients. All of our services are free. We have parenting classes that they can attend. We have a parenting mentor program that they can be a part of. It's called Baby Prep. We have a baby boutique full of baby clothes that they can shop in, um, usually towards the end of their pregnancy. Um, We also have just recently started a men's ministry going up, and hopefully we've already actually started counseling with some of the fathers, men, counseling with some of the fathers. It's been very interesting. Some of the fathers have actually asked us, do you have anything like this for me? When they find out that their girlfriend or wife or whatever is doing our baby prep program, So that's been really exciting. So we've gotten some guys that are counseling. We also have more that we want to do with that program, but it's really just getting off the ground. Um, We also um, are about to start a program, an abstinence program in the school systems that has been going on in the state of Tennessee for about 20 years in Nashville mostly and in Alabama. And um, we will go into the schools and be part of actually their health, I don't know if it's called sex ed, but their health curriculum, whatever that's called, their family life or whatever and we'll be starting that up in january so we're really excited about that Uh, volunteer opportunities that we have are baby prep mentors where you would walk alongside a woman in her pregnancy because we follow up with our pregnant women throughout their pregnancy till the end of their pregnancy if you look if you go down and see our table we have a table with baby names on it in 2021 there were 889 babies born and we know their names and um, we made a poster out of it because we thought that was so cool um, so we follow up throughout, throughout their entire pregnancy, as a client advocate, as a staff member, but also we have volunteers that walk alongside them with their pregnancy. We have a video curriculum that is very easy to use, and um, it's called Bright Course. And they there's a list of hundreds of videos, and they pick which ones they want to watch. There's some on raising toddlers. A lot of our women have younger ch- older children. There's and they get to pick whatever they want to do. So they watch the video together, and then there's. A list of discussion questions. You don't have to even think about it. There's a list of discussion questions. You go over them with that. There is training for it. We don't just throw you out there, but that's one of our biggest needs right now. And then, of course, for our men's ministry, we'd love to have some more men that will want to walk alongside some of these fathers and um, just help them to be a better dad. Uh, We love the idea of preventing kids from going into foster care by helping these parents be the best moms and dads that they can be. Uh, we know that our foster system is broken, and we'd love to fix that, but, you know, that's another story. So anyway, we all, like I said, we are also a licensed adoption agency in the states of Tennessee and Mississippi, and so the birth mother has to be a resident of one of those two states. The birth The adoptive families can live anywhere in the United States, um, and we walk alongside them throughout their entire pregnancy, obviously, and are there at the hospital for them. They get to look at profiles and choose the family they want to place their baby with, And they get to have a relationship if they choose. It's all the birth mother's decision. And the visitation, the communication is an agreement that they come to with the adoptive family. And it works out really well. So I think I've covered a lot. So I will let Angela, who's one of our baby prep mentors, come up and just talk about her experience at Life Choices. If you saw me on my
1: phone, that was embarrassing. I was trying to find a picture of the girl I just worked with. I was going to show you all her little baby. Um, So, I'm a volunteer uh, with the Baby Prep Coach Program, and so if you maybe have never done any of this, it sounds a little bit scary, you would, the minimum you would work with someone is every other week. So, for, my girl was like 45 minutes tops, and I thought, that's fine. So, I would just meet her at Life Choices each week, or eat every other week, and we would get work through her curriculum that she helped design, the things that she wanted to learn and be equipped for in parenting. And so, um, obviously they're coming to a Christian place. And so they know that you're ready and willing to share about Jesus. So that was the really cool thing. It's like, she knew why she was there. She knew why I was there. I was there because I love her and I love Jesus. And so when we would give her the free things, um, I, before we would go to the baby boutique, I said, all right, now before we go in there, I want to you know, the people that have given all of this stuff, they love Jesus and they love you, even though they don't know you. And they love your baby and they want to bless you. And so we're going to go in there and you are going to get all this free and we're going to have such a fun time. And we did. We had a great time. But I told her the gospel again, even though I'd already told her. But, I, you know, and I, I left it in her hands. I mean, she has to decide. And she didn't. She wasn't ready to make that decision at that point. But I, I'm i still in contact with her. I still pray for her. And um, You get the chance to be... With someone through this really special or scary time for them, and get to walk through that, and you're blessed as much, I think, as they are. Um, It's it's just it's a neat thing because it's a girl that I would never have met or known and walked alongside uh, had I not done it through life choices. And you can do it for a very low obligation. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Of every other week, and so most of us could do every other week and you work it around your schedule and so that's what's uh so great if you can meet in the evenings they will work out that time or if you are just lunchtime or whatever it is so it works around your schedule so i hope you'll come and check it out and even if you wanted to just come and do a baby prep training um you can come and see what that's like and decide if this is the right place for
2: you to be involved
1: but one thing I asked somebody on the way up, I said, are all of y'all friends, y'all working together? Like, all these ministries, they're all friends. We all send people here, there, and everywhere. So um, there's no bad place to jump in and just be a part.
2: Uh,
3: well, hi. Uh, thank you so much, first of all, Jessica, just for all that you have done and poured into this. And I just, I have to say, this is so inspiring to see the body of Christ really desiring to know how to be the hands and feet practically and to leverage the resources in our city because so many things are available for us and we just have no idea. And so I just want to say thank you and thank you to everyone here. Um, My name is Pia Joe and I serve as the executive director of the Memphis Morning Center. So I love that we go after life choices Not always, but oftentimes that's the order that we fall in in the journey of a mom. So we provide comprehensive prenatal through postpartum medical care. So our team is comprised of, we have an MD, we have two nurse practitioners, we have two RNs, we have a sonographer, and then of course we have an administration team to back all that up. Um, It's a beautiful thing. I had no idea it even existed until a little over a year ago. And um, the Lord brought it to my attention and then asked me to dive in head first. And so I'm a timeline person. So if you can imagine a mom gets pregnant and she, let's say in this case, goes to Life Choices. She receives counseling, love, care. She chooses life. At this point, she comes to us. We would be the what's next rather than going to who knows where to receive her prenatal care we allow for that continuum of care. So we are Christ-centered. She goes from there straight into our clinic. So our medical team, just to put things into perspective, it is free of charge. We are 100% private donor funded. We don't ask any questions. We don't take any insurance. And so that's a beautiful thing and a testimony to the church as well. (coughs) Church. Um, When they come, we have at least 85% I will say of our, um, what we raise, fundraising-wise, goes directly to the medical care of these moms in one way or another. Our providers spend, well, let me put it this other way. Typically, when a mom goes to a healthcare provider for her prenatal care, she feels, if you can imagine during this time, overwhelmed, vulnerable. Many of the moms that we see and care for already have little to no self-worth. They've never experienced love. They don't even know, they don't even have a grid for that. So when they typically will go into um, a prenatal care provider that takes insurance, or is even on a sliding scale, we have some amazing ministries and healthcare providers here in Memphis, but it looks very different than the morning center. And this was what really grabbed my attention as a mom. Typically a a mom will spend about 10 or 15 minutes with a provider. It's it's very, very busy. Uh, Without naming names, there's a couple of different clinics that I've heard feedback as I've been learning myself about what does it look like for a journey of a mom that doesn't come to the morning center. And oftentimes a provider in a comparable prenatal care clinic or healthcare providers clinic they're seeing anywhere from 20 to 24 patients in a day. At the morning center, our providers are seeing 10 patients per provider, per day, max. So we're spending 30 minutes plus with each of these women. And so it makes a huge difference when you're afraid and you're coming in and you're, you have so many questions and you're, all these tests are being ran and you don't know what to do to be in the hands of healthcare providers that love Jesus, love you, and are able to communicate that to you and even impart value and worth. And so our goal is that we would just emanate Jesus and our team is the same. And Mary Elena is here, and I do want her to come up and share her experience, but I just wanna say real quick, there's a couple of things and a couple of ways that you guys can get involved. Because we are um, a medical clinic, it's a little bit less accessible To actually get to spend time with the moms, although we are working through different ways for people to be able to do that. But these moms need love. And so we have micro roles. If you reach out and you fill out a form at memphismorningcenter.org and you say, I can only give you two hours a month, I have something for you. (laughs) If it's one day a month, I have something for you. Because we're seeing these patients for nine months' time from the time they come, on average, through postpartum. And so there are many, many ways that we can love them and that we can share the love of Jesus with them. Um, The second thing is, is this is something that I felt like I wanted to just present to this specific group because it takes a special group. Uh, Part of the brilliance of the Morning Center is that it's been here for 10 years. (laughs) and No one knows about it. It's been fully sustained by God. I, like I said, didn't even hear about the Memphis Morning Center until a year ago. And I found out about it through meeting the CEO's wife in Peoria, Illinois. What a God story. okay? so it was definitely the Lord. We need to get the word out. Part of our strategy for 2023, a huge chunk of it is engaging churches, people like you that actually have hearts and want to be able to understand what resources are available within the pro-life ecosystem of Memphis. And so we are looking for a person or a team of people that could help us to engage churches. And I will say this, when, when we engage churches, we're not just engaging them on behalf of the Morning Center, because to understand the Morning Center outside of the context of the whole, which is all of these other ministries that we work with, would be challenging. And so when we're engaging churches, we wanna educate them not only about free prenatal care that's available without question to pregnant moms that need a little help, but we're also actively championing and educating on the rest of these ministries and missions that are in the city. And that's not just lip service, it truly is my heart because ultimately we wanna see awakening in our city, right? That's the mission statement here, so you guys get that. And so that takes um, a village and it takes a unified effort. And so if that's something that you're interested in, please reach out. Again, any time given to that, to just simply communicating with churches, helping to engage, build awareness within the community on behalf um, of us, it would be a joy and a privilege to work with you. I just want to give Mary Elena. So Mary Elena has been at the Morning Center a lot longer than I have, and she's our nurse supervisor, but she's also one of the most precious human beings that I've ever met in my life. She is such a strength, and she gets to actually – be with these women, she's oftentimes the first person that they see next to our receptionist. And I just wanted to take two or three minutes just to share her experience with the patients.
4: There's nothing like being put on the spot last minute. I found out I had to do this like um, 15 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I am not a volunteer. I've been at the Morning Center for six years now, um, but I actually started out as a volunteer. Um, I actually started out as a volunteer at Life Choices, um, served there for a year, and then just due to life and work and everything else, had to step back from that, and um, for years wanted to get back into ministry. An opportunity came available. Volunteered at the Morning Center twice, and um, had prayed for five years while I was working Um, At the hospital um, to get back into ministry and use my job for ministry and one day um, the practice manager at the time called me and said hey we're hiring we're looking for people nurses nurse practitioners you know anybody that's interested and I said well actually I am Um, is it part-time is it full-time you know all the things anyway went in talked um, started working there and been there since so um, that's kind of a little bit of backstory. You never know what happens when you choose to volunteer. <laughs> um, watch out. Um, so just a little bit, I think it's just to share about the impact of just um our patients. Um and it is so so important. Um a lot of times we talk about planting seeds. Um it talks about in First Corinthians how um, Paul says, I planted a polis watered and God's the one that made it grow. And um, that just is a constant reminder of what we are doing because we are not a ministry that they walk through the door and we're immediately saying, here's the Bible, here's the gospel. Um, It's about building relationship to have the opportunity to share the gospel. Um, And um, one of the first things that I went, wow, like we were different. Um, I don't even think I had been there a year. Um, We had a patient, she had delivered, her baby was in the NICU, she was super upset. She came to us and she was just, just not an emotionally a good place. Um, and she said, um, I have no family. Her husband was, or her boyfriend was working um, out of state. And she was like, I didn't know where to go. And I'm thinking to myself, when I'm emotionally upset and I don't, you know, I need emotional support, I'm not thinking, oh, let me call my doctor. Let me go to my doctor's office. Like, doesn't cross my mind. Um, and so that just made me think okay wow like we are so different this is not normal Um, and then the other one is kind of going back to the seeds planted sometimes you know as I'm sure that y'all have heard um, through this whole class um, working with people that come from poverty or just tough situations it can be hard it's hard it's sad um, and sometimes really frustrating Um, and there was a mom that she was I think had eight or nine kids and four or five of the last ones um were under our care and so the last pregnant that she that she came to us were like kind of just want to bang our heads against the wall and be like okay like what's going on she didn't want to be pregnant again we knew this like Um, wasn't married, multiple fathers, just, you know, all the things, and I um, sit down with her just reviewing her medical stuff, and one of the questions we ask is, um, do you have a religious preference? And that's a lot of times my gateway into, like, knowing kind of their background and um, where they're coming from. And um, then the follow-up question is, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, her answer was No. Um, but I I need to go. And I said, oh, okay, well, why do you say that? And she said, you know, I I know I need Jesus. And I'm like, okay, well, like, guess what? I can show you and share with you um, how, like, we can make that happen. And she said, I know that y'all are different. Her mom was a Jehovah's Witness. And um, she said, you know, they only want to help their own people, but y'all will help anybody and love anybody. Um, And I've seen that. And so it was just – You know, I left the room feeling just, like, so excited that I was able to share this with her, but then also so convicted because here I am frustrated and just being like, we're doing this again, like, why? And then I was reminded it's about those seeds that are planted, and it wasn't the first pregnancy that we got to really share the gospel and fully have an impact. It was four or five, Um, and so... um, what we do matters, it's not just because I get a paycheck, but people in the city of Memphis um, need Jesus and um, need just the love that we can share with them. So. I'm,
5: I'm tall enough that if I was not standing up there, so, I'm Heather McCaskill, and I'm privileged to serve with One by One Ministries. Um, I'm delighted to see several of our One by One volunteers already here with us tonight. Jenny and Vicki and Rachel and Jessica. So, thank you all for being here and supporting One by One. I love to share how I came to One by One because I believe that um, One by One presents women with a great opportunity to get outside the walls of their church and into their community. And so 12 years ago, my youngest child was entering kindergarten. And I had been privileged to be a stay at home mom for 11 years. And I began to pray and ask the Lord, Now what? What do you have for me now? And at the same time, we were having a missions conference at my church. And the message was clear go and make disciples. And I was asking the Lord, Well, what does that look like for me? My husband's not a missionary, we're here in Memphis. What am I going to do to go and make disciples? And he introduced me to One by One Ministries. And I believe that One by One has equipped women like me who love the Lord. They love their families. They love their church. But they feel like their world has shrunk to a little bubble. And at that time, I felt like I was only spending time with people in church and people that were friends at my children's school. And when I began working with One by One Ministries, a whole new world opened up for me. And it has been a privilege to work in a ministry that is very intentional, first of all, to work with other ministries. We've all said it tonight. We're all friends. We all are trying to help the same mom at different stages along the way. Um, But it's very intentional to build relationship, build trust, meet a mom exactly where she is in her time of need and then slowly and sensitively share God's word and give her an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the way One by One does that is through partnering with local churches. We have 13 churches in the city of Memphis. Bellevue was our very first sponsoring church. Um, And through those sponsoring churches, we recruit women who love the Lord to serve as volunteers. Um, when we have volunteers come we give them all of the training and materials necessary to walk alongside a mom beginning prenatally and continuing at least until the child's first birthday we also have a second year program available to a mom who wishes to continue and we have a discipleship program available to moms who are christ followers but either wish to grow in that um, relationship with the lord or maybe they came to know the lord like Rachel's going to get to probably share. I don't know if you're going to share about that mom or not, but their one-by-one mentor got to introduce them to the Lord. And now they're going to walk with them uh, and really grow in that relationship. So we serve any mom of any age, of any socioeconomic background. Most of the moms that come to us are referred to us by places like Life Choices or Morning Center or Bethany Christian Services. In fact, my very first one-by-one mom was referred to me my first month of work at One by One, and she came from Bethany, and her child is now in the second grade. So, that's really sweet for me to see that progression after this much time. Um, But we are very educational in nature with One by One. So, we're doing a lot of parent equipping. So, when a mentor meets with her mom, which we meet at least once a month in person, we have weekly contact by phone or text we meet the mom where she is we will go to her to her home or we will meet in a neutral meeting location that's convenient for her that she can get to and when we meet we are spending a lot of time loving on her answering questions unconditional love and then we're equipping her we're sharing parenting tips we're sharing developmental milestones milestones i'm sorry milestones we're teaching her activities she can do with her child to promote development all of these things so that she is equipped to be her child's first and best teacher. Um, And then we're sharing God's word. We're asking, how can we pray for you? How can we support you? What else is going on in your life? We have lots of resources at One by One. So we're sharing diapers. We're trying to connect moms with the other things that they could benefit from. Um, And Rachel Maxwell has been a One by One mentor for a long time, almost as long as I think I've been with One by One. So Rachel, you come and share. Now, your testimony about being a volunteer with us.
6: Hi, my name's Rachel, and I actually started one by one, I think it was back in 2015. Um, My first daughter, I'm pregnant with number four, but my first daughter was like 15 months or so, and we were actually, my husband and I, we were serving at another church in the area. But um, our mission pastor came to us and told us about one by one. And I was on the women's ministry committee, and they asked if there was someone who who was telling us about the ministry and asked if there was someone who would want to be the director and like help. And I was in this place just having a baby um, the previous year, but really wanting to get involved again and serve in some way. And I used to teach in the inner city. And anyways, and I love babies. And so I was like, Oh, like my heart, like literally just like jumped out of my chest. And he was like, Y'all pray about it? And I was like, I'll pray
7: about it. Yeah. But I was like,
6: I just really felt like, though, I was like, the Lord just laid it on my heart to do that. Um, and the first mom that I was able to mentor, she was only 17 and um, a senior in high school. And man, I feel like she taught me a lot. Um, and she lived in um, the inner city. And the Lord really used this little baby to give her a purpose and a drive to live and to keep going. Like she was getting all A's in classes. Um, she wanted to go to school to learn how to hair. Like after she graduated, like she had like goals and was driven and I was just so proud of her. Um, and the way one by one material works, they have a verse every month that we share with them. Heather said, to kind of just start planting those seeds and building relationship with them. Um, It was Easter weekend, though, and I was like, what's Easter weekend? Is there really any better time to share the gospel with her? And so, and she had been really receptive up until that point, too, and I did, and she got saved that weekend, and it was amazing, Um, and it's just so cool to see, yeah, like, because it is about building that relationship with them. Obviously, to build that trust, because we're just this new person that is walking into their life. But um, and I think a lot of us, Mary Lena was saying, when you're working, especially in the inner city, there's just so much brokenness and so much that they burdens that they deal with all the time, and it's heavy and messy and it's hard, and sometimes it, I don't want to say it pushes us away, but we're like, I can't do that. Like I can't, I can't fix that. Like I want to fix it all. But I can't, you know, and just realizing that. So the Lord has just taught me through this ministry to just be obedient in the little things because He can do anything through it. Like, you do not know how just texting someone saying, How is your week? Like, how are you and your little girl doing this week? Like, how is she sleeping? But, you know, just anything like that because a lot of these moms don't have any of that support. I feel so like spoiled and blessed that we have family in town you know like people that when we've been having our kids have been there our our support system they don't have that and so um anyway so it really does make such a huge difference and also I mean like I when I first started I had a baby who was only like 15 months and so in my head I was like well because I mean I, I didn't feel like a very experienced mom I was like fresh like I mean like I just went through it like so I like at least have that like but um but I had some ladies in my new married like young Mary's class they didn't even have kids like but they had a heart to love on moms and they did it and they did it so well and again my teacher heart really loved one by one's curriculum because it is very organized it's very laid out and they so if you've never even been a mom, it lays it all out for you, like what you are going to say to this mom about the developmental stages each month and everything. So really you just have to have a heart to love on this mom and be there for her and her baby. But um one more thing I wanted to share real quick. The mom I'm with right now, um, she has six kids and she's my age. Um And she just recently got out of an abusive relationship. And, I mean, I was so proud of her because a lot of people don't need that. And so um, she got out of that. But she, again, was feeling the weight of taking care of six kids by herself. She has a job. But she only has child support for, like, one of them, I think. Anyways, so it's just a lot. Like, she was very upset. It was back when we met in August or September just overwhelmed, and so I just cried with her, we prayed together, and, I, and the Lord just gave me words to help encourage her and everything, but I really felt like the Lord laid on my heart to say about helping with clothes for her kids, because it's getting close to fall, like winter, changing seasons, and I was like, can I just have the sizes of all your kids' like clothes and your shoes, and um, would you be okay if I shared that with my life group? a church and she said yeah that's fine i'll like, say okay great and so i did that and passed that info on in my life group and um and we are in that phase of life where we yeah, great gently used clothes and so i got some of that and then i have a girl in my class that loves to thrift so she like went to the, her favorite thrift store and found like outfits and shoes for each of the kids um, and then i got around 500 like just from People giving, like, in our class, and um, and I was blown away, because, like, they don't know, they don't know about this mom that I mentor or anything, but it was just so sweet to see the body of Christ um, be the body of Christ. Um, when I think of, um, is it Paul, in the New Testament, when he talks about, and they were um, taking care of each other's daily needs and feeding each other, you know, it's like, it wasn't this organized thing that our church was doing, it was just like, hey, there's a need, like, can y'all help? And they, it was amazing, they did. So a girl in my class and I went shopping, and we were able to get them like these nice coats and um, new shoes, a couple new outfits, and we even had enough money to get my mom, like the, not my mom, but you know, the mom. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, I say that in in one by one (laughs) world when we talk, we always say my mom, and it's understood. The one you're mentoring, not your actual mom sorry. But anyways, so I got her, um, we were able to get her an outfit and some, uh, some shoes and stuff. And when we took it to her, um, or when I took it to her, she was just flying away. And it was just the sweetest thing to be able to look at her and say, Demetra, this is God's way of showing you that he loves you and that he cares for you so much. And he sees you in love. This place that you don't understand, like, how you're going to pay for things or how, but he's here. Like, he's going to help you. And um, and it's, I don't know, it's just so exciting. And so in my head, even though the clothes thing just didn't seem like enough, it didn't fix all the problems or whatever, God just showed me that it just be obedient. Like, whatever he's calling you to do, whether it's for a stranger on the street someone you're helping serve in the ministry, or your friends, family, whatever, if he's calling you to do something, do it, because you don't know how he's gonna use that to bless and encourage um, and point that person to him. So she is a believer, but I don't think she's ever been like discipled or really shown like how to walk with the Lord. And ever since all that happened, she has just shown a, a big desire She's like, I really want to follow God. I really want to be who I need to be for my kids, like for them to know God. And um, so we started that discipleship program that Heather, because we're on year two. um, Her little girl's like 15 months. But anyways, so we just started that, and she's doing her work. Like, it's just very exciting to see the growth. And so um, there's a lot of great ministries out there. And um, but the thing with one by one, I just like I can get on board with this. Like this is a worthwhile ministry. Like it is meeting people where they need to be met. And it's being Jesus and like if we can reach that mom for Christ, how it will forever change the trajectory and um other family. Like her kids can know Christ and that generational thing. So I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> but
8: she's already designated me that I'll be speaking so that's a good thing about having an extrovert and an introvert married to each other so um, I'm Grant Kratz and this is Jennifer Kratz uh, we are the chairman of the Orphan Care Committee um, here at Bellevue um, there are no really special skills <laughs> needed for that you just have to say yes when they send you that email um, so I don't want, I've heard very, very professional and polished people up here speaking, and that's not what you're getting. So I just want to be clear about that right now. Um, so we're here to talk about the rap ministry of what we sort of brought into Bellevue, um, Janu- or July 2021. Um, all of the doing of most of everything that is good and great in our marriage is because my wife came up with that. And then... Um, said, here's what you want to do. And here's, and this is how we move forward with this. So, and that's what this is. She heard about this with Tennessee Kids Belong. And it is essentially, as I call it, it's a platoon of volunteers designed to serve foster families. One foster family, it's 10 to 12 people. So I want to start with the why we need rap teams it takes for one foster family they go through nine weeks of training through the tennessee key class and we have all their numerous families are doing that right now across the state of tennessee and they are then going to have six weeks of a home study that has to be done where every inch of their life is investigated in and background checks and interviews with every child in the home and, and all sorts of those things so It's 15 weeks that they commit to just learning to become a foster parent. And that's 15 weeks of the first 52 weeks of being a foster parent that make up that first year. 70% of those people are going to burn out the first year and will not make it to year two. 97 will not make it to year five. And that's why DCS is broken. DCS is broken because they are doing the church's job. And it's not their job to do that. Those people should get to go be attorneys or, you know, singers or whatever they wanted to do instead of doing the church's job. And so what we have to do is the church has to step up and be that and fill that role. We have to do that or it's going to continue. We'll see the numbers where 1,200 children right now in Shelby County are in DCS custody with 650 foster parents. And tonight, probably at least 10 children will be sleeping at the DCS offices because there aren't enough homes for these children. And so the need is great. So how do we, how do we start as a church to fix this right now? Well, we get foster families. And so now I'll, I'm going to turn this over to her because this happens when we do this, so.
9: Okay, so a RAP team. RAP is an acronym for Words of Encouragement, Respite Care, Acts of Service, and Prayer. So um, Grant mentioned that um, the teams are eight to 12 volunteers or couples. Um, So it's quite a few people wrapping around one foster family. Um, And when someone volunteers to be on a team, they pick one of those four areas um, to focus on. Um, So uh, words of encouragement, um, letters, texts, cards, um, uh, respite care, Uh, I think we all maybe know what respite care is, babysitting, giving them rest, Um, acts of service, can be just about anything. Um, We've gone around to life groups um, presenting about uh, rap teams and um, recruiting volunteers. And uh, one thing I like is that, um, let's see. So sometimes people don't want to be on a team, but they want to help. anyway. So we have one lady that pays for um, a foster family's house to be cleaned every week. Um, so that's an act of service and, um, you know, it's not a problem that we can just throw money at, no, but to have your house cleaned every week, sure does take a load off. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's act of service and then, um, prayer is that fervent, um, every day on your knees pray, prayer for this family that, um, is really facing spiritual warfare, um, I think Jessica put this on the prayer card, but, um, you know, um, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. um, And when a child enters the foster care system, he has um, had some kind of victory in that area. And so uh, when foster parents step up, they automatically have a target on their back. Um, So that's spiritual warfare. It's hard to explain um, when you have a precious little baby in your arms and oh this is a precious foster baby and but um things are happening in your house and, and it's the enemy attacking the marriage or attacking the family relationship so um that prayer is uh probably the least of the contact I guess roles on the team but the most important and I think we all the, the whole team prays, but um uh, yeah. Um, so that's rap teams. Um, let's see. Uh, there was something else I was
2: saying
8: um, so and, and I think that's sort of our goal is with this, is just to be to help lead this. with No, you have to wait and
2: get it back. Here.
8: Um, is to, one, we want to change our perception of what foster care looks like. Every person in this room has heard a horror story of foster care. Well, I'm kind of here to tell you there's a lot of truth to that. So there's a reason those stories exist. However, if we can change what this looks like and actually lift these arms up of these foster parents, foster care is going to look different in our church and in our community. And it is a real attainable goal for us as a city of Memphis and beyond for us to be able to do that
9: another thing i wanted to mention i can't remember who but somebody touched on this but um there's lots uh, um, there's lots of folks that really want to help um, but they don't know how to help Um, and being a foster parent they know they can't do that and but they just don't know how to help and this rap team it's it's set up very um you know it's it's a model from Tennessee Kids Belong, we didn't come up with it or anything. Um, and it tells people what to do. Um, and it's little chunks, it's very doable. Um, and so just to bridge from you know resources in the community, what people have to who needs it, just telling them what to do, they can just step in. And um, it just works real well.
2: But everyone can be a volunteer on a rat team
8: and, Everyone should be a volunteer
2: on a rat team.
8: If you are a member of Bellevue and you've not seen our pretty faces presenting in your life group, let us know. We would love to come present uh, what this really, the full scale of what this looks like uh, to your life group too. So thank you guys for letting us
2: be here. The way it works is we're trying to get the membership of Bellevue volunteering and serving members of Bellevue. There are several other churches in, in, within Memphis and Shelby County that are trying to get started So there could be somebody, if you go to a different church, there's probably somebody in your church that, one, is trying to start working through ministry or has sort of started that. And they heard about that, and they're looking desperately for other people to join them in this crazy mission like we have been. And, um, yeah, so... Yeah. We, have that out that out yeah. 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 we have. We our table a We have a just for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have seven. We have seven families and eight that are getting ready to come out of the class. So to say that we dug ourselves into a giant hole of volunteers that we need, I have a point. He's standing in the gap and try to put these things back together. The spiritual warfare that has happened. And these children come in and have been traumatized. These so many totally different, um, different situations have happened to these children. They come into a new home that they didn't have to go to. They didn't have to get their family ripped the apart. And they don't know why their family was ripped apart. Well, don't understand it and have no idea of what happened to this child, and a lot of them they have very old, stupid, obtuse, and they're like, "Well, why are these people here? You have a beautiful baby, you have, a, you know, and they don't feel that, you know that they've been severely beaten for all of their lives, and they don't, and so many factors that go into this work They've thrown a chair through a window." Uh, of, a, of the faucet. Thing. They set a house on fire. And a really bad things is because it just happened. And that's what happens with traumatized children really and traumatized children. And so, it, you know, unfortunately, I've never had that issue. I, I haven't had really horrific things happen what children have done with somebody who set it up on that. But I've not had bad things. You
7: Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Tammy Franklin from uh, Safe Families for Children, Bethany Christian Services. Uh, I'm definitely going to use my notes because I want to make sure I get everything said. Uh, So we are a national movement. Uh, We have approximately uh, 70 cities in the United States. Uh, We have uh, organizations throughout the state of Tennessee uh, that fill Knoxville, Memphis, Nashville, and Chattanooga. So what is our ministry? Our ministry really is just to try to keep those kids that we talked about in foster care out of foster care, okay? So your call to action is to become a volunteer. How can you become a volunteer? Very different ways. A host family. That means when this parent goes into crisis, we really want to meet them right where they are. They're not going to look like you. They're not going to think like you, uh, but... As God's hands and feet, we're supposed to just still continuously love them. So we have host families that actually will take these children and come into their homes. Our hostings are very short term. So we don't have long terms. We asked our parents, what are your goals? Uh, most of the parents usually are going through homelessness. Or they're going through uh, maybe a domestic violence. Or maybe they've lost their job. Uh, And if you know that, and then if you don't have a car, you know, then the snowball effect keeps running through. So as members, we're looking for volunteers to be host families, but not everybody is ready to have a child in their home. So then we need mentors. We need mentors for that parent that is in crisis. We need mentors that is hosting. So we have this big circle of support. So we really want to ensure that everyone is supported, that you don't feel like you're alone, that you don't have to do it alone. Uh, You will have a supervisor over everybody that touches this family. So the, fam, uh, uh, mm, excuse me, Uh, Safe Families does partner with many churches, okay? Uh, Bellevue has been one, and you have a volunteer right here at Bellevue. Uh, we started off before COVID with over 30 to 35 families. During COVID, we lost almost every one of our families. I, and I'm starting from ground zero. Uh, I have approximately two families in Mississippi, and I have one family in the state of Tennessee, in Memphis, And that's not good because that tells me I can't, I mean, I must have had five moms call me this week. And guess what? I couldn't help them. I could not help them at all because my family is already supporting a family. uh, And I have to know. But let me just say this. Don't have the fear because you will always have the opportunity to know what you're getting yourself into. I'm not going to tell you, hey, Judy, I'm bringing four children over to your house. No, that's not gonna happen. Okay, I will let you know what the situation is. You know, I've got a mom with a four month old, you know, and uh, she's looking for a job. So I'm gonna help her with the resources of that job. You're gonna support the baby for probably about four to six weeks until we get her wrapped around with other resources. And then, we don't want you to just stop at that time. We want this relationship to continue on because what we've learned is that the support needs to be, uh, continuous. That means you want to share that love beyond the hosting. So I'm going to give a uh, opportunity for the volunteer, which is Frank and Virginia uh, Roberts. And they're going to, she's going to video. She wasn't here. She had, a. Uh, Uh, birthday parties for her kids. And let me tell you, if anybody can host and she can host and she has a lot on her plate and she is, their family is awesome. Thank you.
10: somebody like mm-hmm. My name is Cullen Beard. My wife, Pat, and I have six five daughters, and we adopted our son when he was two he home with us then. And part of what I was asked to do is tell my testimony about how we got to where we are, and the other part is what we're doing now with, with what's going on. Uh, growing up, serving was kind of part of the DNA of my family. My mom would find people and meddle with their lives for a while and <laughs> try to help um, as the kid in the neighborhood who mowed widow's yards and that continued in the high school. I refereed Saturday elementary basketball. That was, that's a sin. that's hard. So did that, um, found out that serving and giving was feet of important to success. Uh, also in high school, my coach, basketball coach, was a, a disciple of John Wooden. You know him, he knows a little bit about success. He was coach at UCLA, and they won 10 national championships in basketball in 12 years. seven in a row. So late 60s, early 70s, nobody else got to shoot the ball, I guess. But John had a definition of success that... I kind of took a, 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 as, as my own, and he said, success, peace of mind, which is a result of the self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become, the best you're capable of becoming. Let that sit down, come back to it. Our family grew as we began, we were we married early year without a baby, and we finally were pregnant 13 months after. And um, the babies came pretty regularly after that. Um, our oldest now will be 40, which I think is amazing. I'm 17 in my head. And we have down to Jeremiah, 77 50. So we had this neat experience, this neat window of opportunity. But we were always interested in families. Because we had so many girls, The church thought we would be good parenting teachers so we were in a group called Growing Godly Girls and now we have repented of that tremendously because that was very prescriptive. If you do A plus B plus C, you have a godly child. We forgot the word free moral agency. We didn't know that at the time. But what we were trying to do is develop a a pattern where people could help raise their kids. So we love parenting. And I guess we're okay. None of us are or anything. But after our youngest daughter was born, that was a joke, But after our youngest daughter was born, the doctor looked at me and he said, "Don't do this again." He said, "That's enough," because Pat had postpartum toxicity, and that he said it may not be able to be stopped. Next time. So we began contemplating we had babies. We wanted continue to grow our family, but we couldn't the, the traditional way. So we began thinking about adoption. And at the time, Tennessee had a foster to adopt track, which no longer exists. And we were interested in that after having explored international adoption. We realized, we here babies here. So kind of like the Great Commission, we're going to start in Jerusalem. We're going to start here. So now we began to work on it, and we began to grow, and we began to invest, investigate, foster to about We figured out some things we wanted to We weren't the we couldn't fix what we were running across. And that was when we just
2: knew
10: a little bit from what PATH was, which is now Tennessee P, is a gateway, but they only teach you enough to get you through the cross. Trauma behaviors and things came later. Uh, we began to find out that the need in our community is generational. Families have forgotten how family works. It's not that they don't care. They don't know. Have the milk suck and stay on track and hopefully not Old ways of parenting don't work with kids from hard places. We've had a social worker tell us one time, the reason spanking doesn't work is because these kids have already been hit. You can't hit them hard enough to change their behavior. Are you just convincing? No so as Jeremiah grew, and I, I do have I do have his permission to share his story, and always sensitive about that. Um, a trauma background, especially early trauma, early neglect, Changes the way the brain works. So when he was about five or six, Pat would come to me and say, Is this normal behavior or boy behavior or something wrong? I'm like, I've never had a boy before. And we began to investigate. We found the Empowered to Connect parent training program and began to learn about trauma informed care, connection focus, relationship focus. It's through Texas Christian University, the, the TBRI, Trauma-Based Relation and Intervention Program, the Karen Curtis Institute for Child Development, all of this equipped us to learn how to paint Jeremiah according to his needs. So in in that process, it occurred to us, we were being selfish if we didn't share what we would learned. So we bugged. Tim Shelton until he finally helped us go to Chicago to learn how to be kind of trainers. And we've grown with the Empowered to Connect program, we've grown with the Mental Family Connection Center. And we realize now the whole need, we talked about with the rap teams, with the mentors and all, was helping people who've experienced trauma feel safe enough to begin to change the way they do walk. Some of this is entrenched. I'm talking 70 years worth of knowledge. Is, I, I feel like is missing in a lot of places. So, what we've, again, what we've been doing is finding, trying to find ways to interact with foster and adoptive things. The Cultivate Connection course is the new Empower to Connect. We, we currently, halfway through, teaching the CCC class here, great material. It is so relational and it's designed to help you learn how to connect first and then correct. So you build that felt safety, you get new strategies because those behaviors that Grant was talking about, they're just a form of communication. They're a strategy that kept them alive at one point. Um said this to Jeremiah this afternoon. The strategy you used when you were of going to sleep to save your energy is not going to keep you successful as a 17-year-old. So when you shut down and don't go to school, guess what? You've got school tomorrow anyway. Let's find a different way to do that. And that's what the Cultivate Connection course helps us to do. we have found other avenues in a Tennessee Badgers Children's Home resting home, so we have somebody else's kids over for a weekend, it's kind of a fun deal and we get to support them in that process. We get to love, it's like borrowed grandchildren. Um, we're rap team members. Um, we work with the Tennessee P class for, them, for the workers from the Tennessee Badgers Children's Home. I like to harass them and try to color commentate when they're, when they're lacking in some of the stuff, it's kind of fun. If you've been through the Tennessee Key, you'll just kind of dry at some point, some time. And so, and the, the last thing is, um, you know, Grant said only 30% of foster homes make it to the second year. I think one of the reasons that is, is that they they don't have support. The other is, with that lack of support, the dads, the men, reach a behavior, a testing behavior from the kids that they don't know how to handle. So they go old school, around, and it blows up. So part of part of what Um, part of what the Holy Spirit won't let go with me is a group for dads. call it fat dads, foster adoptive trauma dads, to give a community to be able to come alongside and say, nice try, you missed. Here's how you can try this differently. Because so many times, we only do what we want. We don't know that or we can't do that. Community, build that opportunity, and then take the dads and the kids on the outings, a canoe trip, the rope skills, uh, on a map and compass. And I will sell videos of these events because they'll be hilarious. They're going to be awesome. But doing these things to help build the connection between the kids to build that trust. I think if we can do that. And let the dad know it's a safe place, then we can grow and there. I had a group of guys like that, I thought, and one Sunday night we were meeting, and I asked them, it had been a hard week. And I'd gotten through with texts from Pat while I was there. And I asked, anybody else resent what their child's doing to their home? And these guys experienced foster adopted men. They looked at the ceiling, they looked at the floor, they looked around, they went and got it something else to drink. Not one of them. About 14 of them at the table. No one answered me. I okay, I know where I am. And later the they all represented it at one point. They just didn't know how to say it. So I figured, <laughs> well, I don't mind. I'm not in I can say it. And we can go from there. So the bottom line on it is there's so many ways to get involved. And if the hindrance, the hindrance is probably the, the selfish point in your life. I'm an absorber, so I just I can commend you the proper conduct. I can call you out if I need to. If we find a way to push beyond that reluctance, there's great joy in that service. And that's what we do, with, especially with cultivate connection classes. Take these people who are preparing or already in fostering or adopted and tell them, yeah, I don't think yelling at him for hiding food under his bed is going to solve the problem. I don't think that strategy is going to fix this strategy. So let's try something new. And that's what this is all about, trying something new to find a way to connect with kids from hard places in the least
2: of
11: Hey, I'm Virginia Roberts, and just wanted to share a quick testimony about our family's experience with safe families. Um, my husband Frank and I, we've been married for 16 years, and we now have seven children from ages four to eighteen. Four of them are biological, and then three we have adopted through foster care. So we became foster parents about six years ago, and two of our placements ended up in adoption. Our four year old Josiah. And then we adopted two teen girls, Mia and Trinity, last October. So now that we have over six children in our home, we can no longer be a DCS foster family. And so we just know that there's continued need and there's hurting families in our community and wanted to continue to serve in this way. And we found safe families through Bethany Christian Services and felt that it was just a beautiful model Um, to do short-term emergency respite for families in crisis. And one thing that I love about this model is that they really come alongside the parent who's in crisis and support them and equip them and prepare them to be able to, whatever they need in their situation, all the situations are kind of different, but to get back on their feet and to be able to parent well. And during that time, their children can go to a host home um, like ours, And to be loved on and cared for, it gives the parents a peace of mind to know that their children are being cared for while they're able to work on the things that they need to work through. So um, it also helps prevent children from entering a broken foster care system. So we just love that about safe families. We um, recently became certified and the next day got a call about a sweet two-day-old baby girl needing a home. Um, They weren't sure how long, maybe a couple weeks, while the mom worked through some hard things, and we said yes right away. We were so excited, and it was so fun um, just to have uh, the baby girl in our home, and one thing that I just absolutely love about our family serving in this way is it gives all of our children a way to serve out in our own home. It is very difficult for me to get all of our kids out to Bellevue Loves Memphis or to just outreaches, things like that to serve, to serve out. But when you have children, they come into your home, they get to share their toys. They get to share their food. They were giving her bottles and changing her diapers and playing with her and holding her. And um, I think it's such a blessing to our entire family. And um, that's just one thing that Frank and I love about, um, just continuing to serve in this way and being available for those in need. During that time, we got to meet um, the mom and develop a, rela- a relationship with her. And now baby girl, after three weeks of being in our home, got to be reunited with her mom and her dad and her three siblings such a blessing. Continue to have contact with them, and um, the people, the families in our home group are going to kind of wrap around them this Christmas, and kind of do um, gifts for them from Santa, and um, just get to continue to be a resource and support for their family, and just let them know that they're loved and they're cared for. And um, I just I love everything about safe families. If you think it would be being a foster family is a huge commitment, and it, and it is. I feel like this is a really great step. Um, you can be a host home where you have children come into your home, or you could be a support for the host home. So we have two families that kind of help wrap around us. We have a family that if we had a placement, but we needed to go out of town or go on a date night then they would be able to watch the children for us. And then there's also another support family that kind of wraps around the parents. So if either of those roles, those are also very important roles um, in this. So I would encourage you to check it out, get more information. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm happy to um, talk more with you. And I just wanted to encourage you. There are so many hurting families in our community and we have the light and the hope of the gospel. And um, a lot of these children, a lot of these families just need to be reminded of that hope. And we we can share that. So there, there are lots of unknowns and there can be, um, it can be kind of scary to step into that, not knowing what you're saying yes to. But I promise you as someone who's put their yes on the table for six years now with this, God has met us every step of the way. We've never been in need. He's always um, been there and the benefits and just the blessings that flow from serving in this way have been abundant. So let me know if you have any questions and thanks for letting me share.